Are cheaters always addicts? We're so glad that you're here because you're choosing to thrive in your relationship. Guys, welcome to The Betrayed, The Addicted, and The Expert, a Beyond Enough production. Hi, I'm Ashlyn, the once betrayed. I'm Kobe, the once addicted. And I'm Brandon, the expert. And he's definitely an expert. You've been working to help couples with their extreme challenges for like 15 years, right? Yeah, a long time. And I'm glad that I'm here with you guys sharing your vulnerable story. And I hope that it helps our listeners as well. Absolutely. And if you need some help getting started, we have a free resource over at beyond-enough.com forward slash step one. And that's one, the number. It provides the first key steps to healing your relationship, regardless of how tough things are right now. All right, guys, let's roll. All right, before we answer that, let's read a recent review called A Lighthouse in the Storm. I have been listening to this podcast for almost two years and look forward to it every week, especially if it's been a hard week. I can't remember how I found the podcast, but I'm so glad it did because it's given me light during a very dark period of my life. I did not know what betrayal trauma was or any of the terms that come with it, and I did not know how to articulate what I was feeling, but these episodes have made me laugh, cry, and even become upset because the conversations discuss feelings and responses I didn't know I was holding in. Thank you for giving me words to my feelings, struggles, and truth that I could not express. I've shared many podcasts with my partner in hopes of starting a conversation I did not know how to start in the midst of all this. I've enjoyed hearing from guest speakers who also give additional insight, and yet the trio continue to be a voice of hope, empathy, and understanding. I don't know what the future holds for my relationship, but I do know that I'm able to find my truth and rediscover my center and work towards finding myself again due to the help of this podcast. Thank you for sharing and encouraging others to do their own work. Love it. Thank Thank you. That was so insightful and thoughtful to spend the time sharing that and what your experience has been. So thank you for taking the time to do that. Not everyone does that. Um, You don't have to do that, but it does help us find the people that are looking for our podcast. So thank you. Yeah. I think the idea of laughing that she shares laughs laughs with us, uh, I especially like because um, this whole arena is so intense and it's so tough sometimes if we can't just take a moment and and take a step back and find the humor in some moments, then uh, it's going to be all the more challenging. So I'm glad that she could see that. Yeah. I, I don't know if it's the therapist in me or what, but my favorite part of that um, review was how we upset her sometimes. And the, the reason is, is not because I want her to be upset, but um, I think us triggering some things in, in, in you guys, in the listeners, is a good thing. And, you know, I always say to my clients is it's not our job to help you feel good. It's our job to help you get better. And, you know, our analogy of the buffalo, for example, like turn, turn at difficult things and face them. Um, so we don't shy away from, from hard topics and we don't shy away from triggering topics. And sometimes those triggering topics are things that make some people want to run the other way. Um, so I just applaud you two years hanging in there and knowing that we're going to trigger you. Um, you're going to laugh with us. Uh, just thank you so much. That was, that was an awesome review. So agreed. Okay. So Brandon, I get this question a lot. I hear it actually from, um, more the betrayed side who reach out and say, 
you know, we're really struggling to connect in recovery. My, you know, my spouse had an affair or maybe even multiple affairs, but they're the label of your podcast or of doing the work and coming to a specialized therapist of saying I'm an addict is what's keeping them stuck. And so they want to like, what is the difference? Can I have cheated and not be an addict? Can I be an addict and not cheat? Um, Well, so let's just start there first. I think it's, it's important to start with the label of an addict. Um, And then, then we'll get to that question is, is everybody who who's cheated, are they an addict? Um, you know, the, the betrayed, the addicted, and the expert, um, that ED on the end of addict is important, I think, because it differentiates something. I mean, what does it differentiate? Active addiction versus um, someone who's recovering? Yeah, well, I would say this, Kobe. I say it differentiates you're addicted to something versus you are an addict. Like, that's what you are. Mm, it's more shame, identity. Yeah, a shame identity statement. You are an addict. Boom. That's you know. Agree. Okay, well, that. you're an addict. You know, you cheated, so now you're an addict. Um, you know, even Ashlyn, it, it was interesting. I remember recording this um, when we we did our intro, and and you just kind of out of nowhere said, "I'm Ashlyn, the once betrayed," and and you took out the label of I'm the betrayed. I'm that's what I am. That's my identity, the betrayed. I think these identities are 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 way more important and critical than than we give them credit for. So I just ran a, a new group last week and the topic of the group was this was you know a person who comes in to treatment and they say I'm I'm going to be a person in recovery like that's who I am. That's what they create. Mm. A person who comes into treatment and they say I'm an addict and I'm the betrayed, they stay the addict and the betrayed um, because that's what they believe they are. And so I think sometimes it feels good to be able to say, well, you cheated, so now you're an addict. That's what you are. Um, Or to say, well, you're just the betrayed. Look how crazy you're acting, see? And so it's kind of easy to to throw those labels around. It it also helps make sense. Right. Of like these senseless things. It validates. Yeah. It helps make sense. So in no way am I saying, let's not call a spade a spade. In no way am I saying, let's, let's, you know, dance around what it actually is. Let's say what it actually is. The the truth is, is I'm just such a believer in recovery. Like I, I, I've seen too many people um, go from, from just, shackled down in their addiction to finding light and freedom and peace and serenity that I believe in change. And so because of that, I, I can't stay stuck on a label of the addict or the, you know, the betrayed. That so. is really, really interesting, Brandon, because in all the time that we've spent on this podcast in our own efforts to heal and recover, when we first started um, until now, I've, I, totally see no and have experienced the idea of like hi my name's Kobe I'm an addict and yet at the same time I don't I don't ever recall hearing in any meeting hi I'm Kobe I'm recovering yeah 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 isn't that profound what you just said that's really profound and 
I've, I've heard I'm a recovering addict. I've heard yeah. that before. But look at the duality that lives in that, right? And, and I just, going back to what you said, as far as identity is concerned, it's a very, very interesting thing to, to take on an identity, a sentence, a life sentence, if you will. Mm-hmm. It's a very interesting um, identity to take on something that becomes this fetter, right? This ball and chain for which you can't find a key yeah. because that's mm-hmm. often how it felt whenever I would go to meetings. And, and once I knew I was like fully engaged in the process of recovering, I'm Kobe, I'm recovering. I never said that. I've never said that till just now. It, it, it takes on a completely different meaning, but can you see the contrast? My hope is that if you're listening to this right now, if you're listening to this and if you struggle with addiction, that you'll introduce yourself to yourself and say, hi, I'm Johnny Lunchbucket. I'm recovering. Well, Kobe, I, I want to just say, you saying this is actually really important. I've, I've seen you personally in your heart make a shift out of this of, you know, it's like I play the role of the douche on the podcast. Like I'm, I'm the <laughs> resident douche, you know, mm-hmm. and it's like we laugh about that. But the reality is, is I, you know, I play the role of the addict and the douche and the, uh, you know, it's funny, but at, at some level, it's not funny because that's not who you are. Yeah, you, you totally. play the role of the courageous dude who's willing to talk about his problems. You play the role of the, of the resilient guy who, who is doing awesome at, at overcoming an addiction, right? Um, and, and when you think about it from that context, it's like, yeah, hell yeah, that's who I am. Right. Completely. Um, Not, I'm just, I'm, I'm the douche. I'm the, I'm the addict. I'm the one Um, with the problems. Because if you think about it, right. And and moreover, let's just break this down. And you've heard me say this countless times on the podcast is um, guys will come to group or I'll talk with guys one-on-one and they're so down in the mouth because of a relapse that they had, um, you know, a week ago or not a week ago, but let's just say just a couple days ago. But, um, their, their previous relapse was maybe two months ago. And then I stop and think, okay, so, and I ask them the question, how, what percentage wise, how much of your life is typically spent in addict mode where you're really like acting out? They're like, oh, geez, I don't know, maybe one, 2%. So it's like, okay, so are you going to give yourself the identity of the addict when one or 2% of your day is spent in that mindset, literally hijacked, or are you going to identify the fact that 98 to 99% of your day is spent in healthy living, right? Maybe not the healthiest, but it's not addict mode. And um, are you going to say, hey, I'm really on this road to recovery. And um, I think identity has everything to do with what your actions are right? And, and, and the fruit that they bear. But it's a very easy thing, though, to just take that fetter, take that identity, take that title and name, just say, okay, this is just me and just come to a consensus that one to 2% of my day or even five or 10% of your day of your month is spent in there. Okay. I, I Kobe, I want to play devil's advocate just a little bit, which is, Two. and it's kind of uh really it's in some ways it's, it's kind of the 12 step culture mentality 
a little bit of like, okay, if you can't admit you're an addict, then you're in denial. Um, mm-hmm. you, you, uh, um, you know, you must have a lot of shame that you're an addict and, you know, a man in recovery can just be like, yeah, I'm an addict and I'm, I'm fine with it. Right. Um, but you know, in order to get better, you need to own that you're powerless over your addiction and own that you are an addict. You are an addict. Own that. Um, I, I hear that. I hear that argument because I, I believe me, I see a lot of the other side of it. Of, totally. Of people struggling with addiction who say, I don't really have a problem. I'm good. It's like, really, it's not that bad of a thing. Um, but I actually think both can exist. I think you can fully own your problem, fully own what is, and not take on the identity of just being an addict. Yeah. I think you can do both. Um, and, and I think that's the healthiest place to be uh, and, and take on the identity of the pa- powerful, accountable human being that you are, as well as, as be able to own the fact that you've struggled with compulsive, addictive behaviors. I think which is, yeah, exist. which is part of what our topic is today. Um, and, and we can use this as a transition into it, but it's like, where is it? Do I define myself based upon where my focus is? And if that's the case, and I have accepted the fact that I have this compulsive behavior that for the life of me, I cannot stop. Nothing yeah. under the heavens has, has, has been able to, to, to do that. Then I got a problem and I have to face it. But once I face it and then I get busy focusing my mind and my, and my efforts day to day, then I begin to change my trajectory and um, therefore my, my path and my identity. But um, right. to your point, it's, it's, uh, I think you can have both for sure. And, and certainly there has been. I'm, I know I was in that place for decades of, well, so, of like, I, a problem, I don't know. And that's problematic to be in that denial place of not owning. Sure was for right? me. <laughs> and and, and to, to transition into the question that we had of, of you know, a lot of, a lot of people will say, I'm not a, I don't struggle with an addiction. I just cheated. Uh, I, I happen to cheat, you know, a hundred times every weekend for 10 years, but I just cheated. And it's like, well, okay. Like where do we differentiate just cheating? And I really don't like that because that yeah. minimizes cheating. I imagine just cheating would can trigger some, some absolutely been betrayed and hurt. Sure. Um, where do we differentiate? I cheated versus I have an addiction and I'm struggling with addiction. Um, you know, we're talking about this label of, of addiction. What, what does it mean to have an addiction? What is the definition of addiction? There's some indicators that we look at for this. And I actually think it's the, the answer to this question, am I an addict because I cheated, is actually quite obvious if you know what to look for. Um, do you guys know what to look for? Tell us. <laughs> I, I just love when they beg me for the answer. It just makes me feel like the expert. Uh, we no, know nothing. <laughs> I'm just kidding. <laughs> um, uh, so you're looking for a couple things. You're look at you're look at uh, rate and duration of use. So and frequency. So how often are you drawn back to these compulsive behaviors? Um, are you using the behavior, whatever it is, drinking alcohol or masturbating to pornography? Are you using it to numb out and to escape and to 
avoid feeling, avoid feeling emotion. Um, so you're not, you're not, you're not mindful in that experience. You're actually using it as an escape. Um, has the, does, is the tolerance building up? So like with alcohol, that's obvious. Like, okay, I can drink six beers in a day and now I'm drinking 10, um, to get the same feeling. Uh, that's a good sign of addiction there. Um, with, with sex, it's, uh, quite obvious too, but you got to know where to look. You know, I, I used to look at masturbation or I used to look at porn and, and masturbate every day. Um, now I'm spending four hours a day in chat rooms and meeting up with women. Um, that's a whole different ball game, but you're pushing new limits. You're pushing new risky behaviors to get a hit, to get a rush of dopamine. Um, and, and sometimes that tolerance buildup over time can be a really slow progression. Sometimes it can be a really fast progression. Um, but all of these things are, uh, are addictive behaviors. They're, they're, they're showing addiction, right? Um, and so it, you, can, you can cheat and not have those things going on. Um, so, so the answer to if I cheated, does that automatically make me an addict? I think we know the answer to that is no, right? Um, but if your addiction has pushed you to do behaviors that you haven't wanted to do, and now you're, you're spilling over into cheating as a result of that addiction, then yes, you're experiencing symptoms of your addiction. Not to excuse that behavior in any way, but you're experiencing addiction. And one of those, one of those indicators is that you're participating in those type of behaviors. So am I, am I making sense? Is this Yes. All? I'm taking notes over here, Brandon. I'm oh. going to quote you um, on, on my social media. So, awesome. um, so I have a question. I'm, okay. I'm the, the betrayed reaching out and saying, okay, I hear you. And it sounds like my husband has, he's had one affair. He's cheated. So now what? Because I still feel a lot of the feelings that I describe right? Of betrayal. And so what is, what now? So, well, okay, he's not an addict, but I, I still hurt. Ashton, I'm so glad you just asked that question. That is an important question. Um, because if your spouse doesn't have an addiction, that doesn't minimize betrayal trauma. You still will have betrayal trauma. Um, all the same similar feelings as somebody, um, who, who, well, there, there are some differences, I got to say, but, but you're going to feel a lot of the same feelings that somebody who's experienced betrayal trauma another way is feeling. One of the differences, though, is somebody who, who goes out and cheats, who doesn't have the addiction, um, it's hard to say across the board because they still might gaslight. Mm -hmm. They still might turn the tables, they still might manipulate in all these other ways and show all of the attachment disorder behaviors, um, or they might not. Um, somebody with addiction, I would say, does exhibit most of those attachment disorder behaviors um, because <clears throat> there's so much shame there that's driving their addiction mm -hmm. that you'll, I rarely see an addict be able to have a very healthy relationship, if ever, right? So, yeah, that's interesting. Okay. Um, so, so they may feel the same and, and I've, you know, the last few months have just been calling instead of saying, 
addiction or I cheated. It's betrayal because for me, I hear their pain and it sounds the same. Um, And so, yes, there's differences, like you said, but is the work similar for the betrayed and maybe someone who's betrayed? Parts of it. Um, Parts of it are really similar. So, so her work of, of really knowing who she is and loving herself, having boundaries, um, all, all of that is the same. Um, the difference is, like, like, for example, I did an intake today where this, this guy has, they've been married for 35 years and, and he's been addicted the whole time. And, um, you know, an addict, Oh, I just used the label, right? Someone struggling with an addiction, um, they just, they have such compulsive, um, manipulative behaviors to be able to, I call it do the juggle, where it's, mm. I want to hang on to my, my spouse, but at the same time, I want to keep my addiction. And, and in order to do that, I have to do all of these things. Um, I have to do this song and dance that really causes um, some deep wounds in terms of betrayal trauma. Um, and like I said before, if, if you're just cheated on and you're not dealing with that juggle that the spouse is doing, the levels of betrayal can be different. Um, so this is hard because across the board, we can't really say. We can't say that, you know, a, a, a couple's bumping along, everything's hunky-dory, and then, you know, let's say she goes out and cheats and he has betrayal trauma and then like, okay, he just, she just cheated. Things are fine. Whatever. Move on. That's rarely the case. If ever, there's a lot of under story to it. There's a lot of things going on. Um, but I would say one thing to pay attention to is if the, the cheating is a result of the, the addiction and the addiction tolerance building up, then the recovery work is going to be addiction recovery work. If the cheating is a result of just like, you know, low grade disconnection in the marriage and a lack of excitement in life. And then the, the, the treatment and the recovery work is going to be much more relational um, early on than it is about addiction recovery. So, Brennan, is it possible for um, a partner who has been betrayed to have a strong sense of self and self-worth and to have strong boundaries and, and, and then be betrayed and um, then come into your office and say, okay, my partner cheated on me and, um, you know, this is devastating. It's, uh, it's not okay with me. And um, we're like, can, is it possible for the, the, the person who was betrayed to have a lesser amount of betrayal trauma um, from a betrayal of their partner um, and, but have a lesser degree? So it's not as, not as um, to handle it better, basically. Yeah, 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 yeah. Oh, yeah. I met this woman last week and, you know, as she left my office, like, I was just blown away by her strength and, and her D day was, was two weeks ago. Um, oh, wow. And she's just, you know, she's grounded. She able to she, separate herself from the actions of her. She's not partner. taking it personally. She, she, okay. uh, she's not <laughs> sticking her head in the sand and pretending like it's not happening. Um, so she's not in denial. 
<clears throat> but she's just she's healthy and and so she's gonna now, now that she has this kind of laid in front of her um hopefully she navigates it in a really healthy way and 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 we we know she could end up divorced um she could end up uh they could end up really happy together but you know so 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 now but but so now what though um, Brandon, if we go back to the original question, right? I, I cheated, but I'm not an addict. So if a couple um, faces the fact that betrayal has taken place and it's, it's a one-off, maybe it's, it, it's, uh, it's an affair that was, uh, that was um, they were found out. Maybe there's another affair that happened maybe years before. Like in my case, for example, years in between. Um, what's I know I, what I'm hearing from you is every, every case, every situation is different and it's got to be assessed based upon the, um, the contributing factors to the betrayer, the person who's betrayed and cheated. And it also has to do with the factors of the person who was betrayed as well. Right. Um, so is there, is there really no can stand you're, what you're saying is well, there's well, no can standard answer. Yeah. But, but we're kind of like some things are beside the point. Here, okay, so it's like if, uh, if I've been hurt, I've been betrayed. What I don't need is a, is an argument with my spouse about whether or not you have an addiction, and we can label it as an addiction or not, or this or that. Like, okay. what needs to be heard is is the pain. Pain. What, yeah. Yeah. Let's step into the pain. Let's empathize. Let's let's flush that out. Let's process it and let's hear it. Okay. Um, I hope like what you said, Brandon, right there, you said it just quick and like, it was no big deal, but it, that's a big deal for a lot of people to hear right now, because I think, especially because of the title of our podcast, we do get stuck in those, like, but this is what I'm hearing and I'm reading. So this is what you are because I'm feeling these things. Right. I think you can, you've proven you can still feel a lot of those things because you've been betrayed. Yes. And in some form or fashion, and the end result is still, you need to heal from that. Well, you, well, well and Ashton, and when the partner understands that and says, let's, let's, say, let's say my spouse came to me and said, you're an addict, you're an addict, you're an addict, right? Um, I can turn to her and say, no, I'm not. No, I, look, I can prove to you. This is why I'm not. Boom, 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 boom. Or I can respond in a way where I, I, I love her. I, I, I take space and I say, whoa, like for you to be really concerned about whether I'm an addict or not, you must be feeling a lot of fear. Um, talk to me. I want to hear you. I want to validate why you're feeling that and, and really understand like where you're coming from. Well, you cheated on me. You hurt me. This is like, yeah. And then validate that like, man, yeah. And, and in a real way, not a placating, whatever way but to sit in that emotion with your partner rather than getting caught up in the weeds about the the definition of this or that or whatever um and and so that that's what starts the process of healing um i do think it's important important to to be able to call things what they are and to be able to own them for what they are and but but i can't my experience is with my spouse is if I try to force her to see something, she's less likely to take a look at it, right? Yes. <laughs> but if I am in my own recovery and I'm, I'm, I can influence her much better, right? And so, um, 
Yeah. It's the same answer we always get, right? Do your own work. Yeah. <laughs> and dang it, it's still the same answer. Um, yes. But it's interesting because I'm hearing this thinking of um, just a different story, right? We had addiction in our relationship from the get-go. Um, but when Kobe had that first affair, it was an emotional affair, which I'd love to do an episode on that because I get questions on all that all the time, right? Like it's, they didn't touch, they didn't kiss. Like, why are you so upset about it? And I did have people telling me that a therapist and a church leader saying, you know, it's not that big a deal. You need to just get over it. And so it became this thing that was absolutely affecting the way I showed up as a partner and as a person. Um, but it was something that we weren't talking about. And it was, you know, it was, it was completely affecting the way that we fought these cyclical fights that I wasn't acknowledging, you know, the roots of the pain. And, right. and so I think had I heard this, whether or not we acknowledge the addiction cycle for you with pornography or whatever, um, the fact that the betrayal hurt and then yes. it was showing up for me years later was a very big indicator. I'm sure it would have, I know it affected me because when I started to learn about betrayal trauma, it was this light bulb moment of this makes sense. No wonder, right. no wonder I've been so upset. And so it's like you, you found know, the source of pain. Yeah. Yes. I couldn't put words. It was like the review we read today. I didn't right. have the words to explain what I was feeling and articulate the pain. Right. And when I found that, it was this whole new world opened up to me. And so the labels did help me for sure move forward. Did I feel stuck in those at times? Yes. Um, yes. Have Kobe and I done everything right in recovery? No. no. Uh, far from it. And, and we still choose to show up and sometimes we get it right and I'm super proud of us. And other times it's like, how are we still messing this up? Like right. we can't have a hard conversation. Um, but then we do. And so- right. I think the labels absolutely can help. They can also keep us stuck. Um, either way, there's pain underneath right. that. And that's the idea that you're talking about, Brandon, which is, okay, so let's just take this bag of labels. Let's set it aside and let's focus on what, what, what's the real result of this betrayal. And yeah. let's give both parties an opportunity to see the whole picture and not allow the label to be the battle because even trying to debate and split hairs on does it apply does it not apply totally negates the ability for the betraying partner to to feel and to see the pain that they've caused yeah the the uh it, it's interesting you know we 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 like emdr and and uh trauma work and what's interesting about emdr is it uh it's therapy that that helps remove the therapist's ego and the therapist like hmm. analytical thinking and it's therapy that actually takes a client into a heart space into like like healing their soul and um it's the same the same concept happens with couples in recovery is our heads, our egos get way too caught up in everything. Is it cheat? Is it an addiction? Is it not an addiction? Is it cheating? Is it? Not? But what are both of your hearts saying? And where are both of your hearts at? And can you actually have the strength and the courage and the love 
to connect to your partner's heart and and hold that mm. space for them. And that's where a, a, a relationship actually turns into an asset for the healing process. When your heads are too involved, the relationship's a liability um, and it, it becomes toxic. So I need to re-listen so I can quote that because I've been hearing that and thinking, well, that fits when we talk about what's the difference between sobriety and recovery it, as totally. well. We, we get stuck in, well, crap. And I, I think they're just so, sober and they're white knuckling. Sobriety is ego-based, head, yeah. heady-based. Yeah. Wow. Recovery is heart-based. Yeah. I love that. Lots, lots here. And um, we hope that those of you who are listening heard something that stirred you. And um, we hope that for those of you who are listening, thinking like, yes, that's it. Um, we hope that whatever you heard will lead you to um, connecting, even if it is over the extraordinary and devastating pain of betrayal. And if you have been the one who's, who has betrayed and you're hearing this, um, hear me when I say, it is possible for you to sit in the pain that you've caused your partner and it's possible for you to face it and heal from it. And if you can listen and if you can try to understand where they're coming from and not try to run away, but just own it, that can facilitate enormous healing. Whether or not you stay together is another thing, but that can, that can contribute to enormous healing which will help both of you, no matter what your circumstances are. Yeah. Yeah. And if you're here for the first time or for the millionth time and just need that next step, we do have a free next step for you over at beyond-enough.com forward slash step one. And it's the number one. All right. Awesome, you guys. Thanks for joining us. Appreciate have it. Good, have a good day. We'll see ya. Bye-bye.